Hi, I'm Elaine Boddy. And I'm David Treadway. And welcome to the Foodbot Pod. With Matthew's Cotswold Flower. In this episode, we are bringing you something a little different because we are bringing lots of different people together, lots of tips, lots of information. And the thing that connects all these people is that they are all members of my Sourdough with Food Board Facebook group. Which I have to say, I'm also a member of. Indeed you and are. Indeed is and so re- you should be. It's the reason we know each other. That's <laughs> yes. how we first met. It is. Um, but this isn't a Sourdough episode. Let me clarify that. But that is where uh, we all know each other from. And we've got lots of people that we've been talking to bringing us some great top tips. But the main element of this episode, which we will be starting with, is meeting the very brilliant Anne Iachi, who is showing and teaching us how to make challah dough and how to braid it. It, you know, if you've seen those things online and you see people, you know, it's one thing to start with three braids, three pieces of dough. When you then take it to four or even upwards of that yeah. and you see people braiding like eight pieces of dough and it's how do you keep on top of it anyway? So this is what Anne is going to be teaching us. She's also going to be sharing some of her tips, but also her food influences. And also Corinne Vignel is with us. And she's going to be talking to us about what goes on in her family home because there's quite a mix of food influences in her home. And so we've got lots going on in this episode. I'm very excited about this one. Shall we meet Anne? Let's go for it. Welcome back to my kitchen. I know you've been here before. Uh-huh. Um, I'm very excited to have you here today. I know you do lots of baking. Uh, you do baking for yourself, your family and for other people. And you're on Instagram as? Little Home Baker. Okay, so if anybody wants to find Anne, it's Little Home Baker. And we all love seeing what you're baking. So mm. what is your favourite thing to bake? That's a very hard question. I love it all. <laughs> <laughs> but actually bread in general is my favourite. So I do a lot of biscuits, cakes and all kinds of stuff because people ask for it. Yes. But bread is definitely my favourite. That's something I discovered during lockdown and I love it. Okay. So as people will notice, Anne has an accent. So where are you from? I'm originally from Belgium. And what would you say is your kind of culinary background? What kind Ooh. of foods were you brought up with? What um, do you bring with you? Probably quite European food, I would say, with yeah. good bread dough. Yeah. Bread and cheese for breakfast. We had a baker dropping off bread three times a week. And then just the usual meat to veg um, for lunch, because we had our main meal at lunch. Yeah. And then something small for dinner. And do you feel like you've brought those kind of choices and food habits with you to the UK then? No, not at all. So um, I, well, there's certain dishes that my mum used to make that I do, um, but most of the stuff is things that I picked up over the years, living in different countries, um, liking different foods. Um, My mum used to cook one special thing at the weekend, but the rest of the week was just regular things that Mm -hmm. we used to have every week, week in, week out. I think a lot of people grew up with that. A lot of people in this country, I mean, I didn't grow up necessarily in this country, but when I talk to people from the UK, like I know with my husband's family, 
you ended up with the same thing on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday. Yes. Yeah, I didn't really realise that's what occurred because it's not so what happened So for my mum it was easy because she used to go shopping once a week. She yeah. didn't drive. She used to go shopping once a week and then separated everything, put everything in the freezer and then we had food for the whole week. My dad used to go to the market on a uh, Saturday after work and then brought it back, whatever vegetables or fruit that was on offer. And that's what we had during the week. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I know with my husband's family, easy. there was three boys. You yeah. know, it made sense there was no waste. Yeah. Which really, you know, I suppose it's functional, it's quite useful. 100%. One of the things that we ask everybody we talk to, which I'd like you to share, is what are your three top tips in the kitchen? So for me, first of all, I live on my own. Yes. So I cook for one. Right. Which is not fun. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I enjoy cooking, but cooking for one is a bit boring. Yeah. So I generally batch cook okay. and have homemade ready meals in the freezer. So oh, my freezer perfect. is always full. It's a great way for, first of all, to one, eat healthy, which is, you know, my, my real job is a healthy lifestyle coach. Yes. So as a nutritionist, it is important for me to encourage people to eat healthily. So one of the ways to do it is by batch cooking. Yeah. So one, it brings a price then, cost of living, etc. But also you can have healthy, good food every day mm -hmm. without having to be in the kitchen every day. Yep. So when I used to travel a lot for work, um, I used to say, you know, I'm too busy to be healthy. But actually, if I had taken the time to think about it, I probably cook once or twice a week. That's all I do. And the rest, I just take a home cooked ready meal out of the freezer and, you know, reheat it in one way or another. It's not but don't so you much think, yeah, the time. it comes back to a planning thing, yes, doesn't it? definitely. That... That's my second tip. Okay. Is really you have to plan, especially yeah. being on your own. You have to plan your meals. You can do it in lots of different ways. So for my mum, it was going to the supermarket once a week, but knowing that on Monday we had, you know, steak with, with grated carrots, and on Tuesday we had a veal chop with, you know, uh, roasted tomatoes, etc., mm. etc. Et or you can go to the supermarket and say, okay, what's on offer? Yeah. Um, get all that stuff and then make some meals out of it. And then the night before, you decide which of the meals are you going to take out of the freezer, which is the way I do it. But um, I think planning makes some things so much more cost efficient as yes. well. So, so my phone planning. is full of a shopping list. Yes, yeah, so is like mine. My notes has got everything yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And what would your third tip be? The third tip is just experiment with stuff, I would yeah. say. As I said, I, I was brought up with very, I wouldn't call it boring food, but it's just, you know, the samey food yes. on a regular basis. And as I said, my mom once a week, she used to try another recipe or something. And today there's just so much out there. Yeah. It's just try and try and see what you like. And very important, especially I see that with my clients is, you know, you have most of them have never tried so many fruit, veg, different food, spices and all these kind yeah. of stuff. They never tried and it's about trying and, and, and experimenting. I think that's one big one that I see day in, day out. You know, I had clients who never had couscous, never had mushrooms, never had gougettes, never had all these things. And it's just like, how is that possible? It's about trying and opening your taste buds. And whatever you disliked when you were a kid, you might like today as well. I never used to like avocados, I love it. I hated fish, love it. So there's lots of things that yeah. I hated in the past that I now really, really enjoy. 
Yeah. And I think as well, it, that's one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing. We want to talk to different food people. We want to bring some different ideas and influences. That's why we've recorded a spice episode. That's why we're, we're, we're asking people for their recipes and ideas from their kitchens because someone might just go, oh yeah, there's an idea. I can throw that in and see what happens. So there does need to be a bravery but also it does need to go hand in hand with the planning and mm. with being cost efficient. Yep. You know, and there are ways of doing all of those things. What do you like to do with leftovers? Cook and freeze. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, but, but it depends what kind of leftovers they are. Soups are, I love soups. Yep. So chuck it all in the, the soup pot. Um, that's probably one of them. And then otherwise just have a meal with a little bit of everything. Little bits and Mix pieces and match. of what's yeah, left. Yeah, oh, leftovers yeah. are the best, to be honest. And I think that as well, I know that's the kind of thing that I would do, is if you've got little bits of everything. I think because of, you know, with growing up in the Middle East and being introduced to meze and lots of little mm. dishes, you know, and, and a meal doesn't have to be just a single thing on one plate, yep. that there can be all those different elements and different flavours. And that's the thing as well, you discover when you have leftovers, you discover what flavours go with what as well. Yeah. And then the next time you cook, you can say, well, actually, that was nice together. Let's put it together in a dish. And you create a whole new set yeah. of flavours for yourself. Yeah. yeah. My other question, if I came to your house as a vegetarian, what would you feed me? Um, well, one of my actually, fa well, there's loads of things I would feed you, to be honest. One is I know you love spanakopita. Yes. That's probably one of them. But I love a lentil shepherd's pie. Oh. Really nice lentil shepherd's pie. Okay. Um, that's probably another thing I would make for you. Lovely. And then obviously, uh, probably some sourdough for you to try. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know you tried mine before and you liked it. Yes. But yes. So one of the reasons that you're here with us today is because you are our braiding queen. Ooh. You're also our hala queen. We have in front of us some dough that is currently being portioned and is proving again. Could you just give us the basics of what is in a hala dough? What makes it the right thing? Okay, so hala is kind of an enriched bread. Yes. I never grew up having it as sourdough but there are some people that today make it sourdough and um, okay. so i always had it yeasted i i feel that the sourness and the sweetness of challah just doesn't go together for me anyway mm -hmm. in it is flour water uh oil right. because uh in an enriched door like brioche and stuff you'd have butter but because of the uh, kosher rules you wouldn't mix milk and meat so, which is why there's oil in it. So you could have it with any meal you want. I would put eggs in it. Mm -hmm. Some other people wouldn't. And then you have some kind of uh, sugar. I use honey. Right. And salt. Okay. Did I say yeast? So there's seven ingredients in it. If you have the eggs, there's seven ingredients, which as an anecdote, some people would say, well, it's like the seven days of the week. Um, and you'd have it on the seventh day, so you've got seven ingredients in it. So when I can my ingredients before I make it, I have to can to seven. Okay, so, oh, that's okay. a bit of a nice tradition yeah. then. Yeah. So the dough that we've got in front of us has already been made and proved once. Yeah. And how long would it typically take to prove a halal dough if you're making it yeasted? Yeah, so depending on temperature in your house, it would be between 45 minutes and an hour and a half. Okay. Now you could prepare it. I often just prepare it, uh, mix it, and then put it in the fridge to prove overnight. My sister-in-law proves it twice. So she proves it for an hour 
uh, knocks the air out and then proves it the second time before braiding. So everyone's got their own traditions and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, like all braids, really? Yes. Okay. So we're going to come on to making and braiding and shaping this yes. in a minute. And you're going to give me a bit of a lesson. I will. So I'm going to remind everybody now that we have got a YouTube channel. Please look at the Food Bod Pod on YouTube so that you can see us doing this. We're going to take as many shots as we can overhead um, as well as facing so that you can see the shaping. And I must, must give you a big, big heads up here because Anne taught me some braiding and shaping last year and the braiding and some of the uh, recipes in my, my third book uh, from the lessons that you taught me. So this is why you will see Anne named in my book. So she's here today to give us a bit of a lesson. David's going to have a go as well, which I know he's very excited about. Mm -hmm. We're looking forward to eating and trying and playing. So then, what I love about challah is the flexibility of the dough. So, and that's what it seemed to yes. me when I was playing it's like with play-doh, it. like Play-Doh, really. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it is similar to when I make my enriched sourdough. One of the things that I loved, that I, I was so pleased with when I was writing the third book, was when you make that enriched dough, you know, it is quite a different texture from just a standard bread mm -hmm. dough because it is more solid, it is easier to handle. But the beauty for me is I found with it, once it was fully proved and that lovely smooth surface, I then shove it in the fridge and it can be in there for an hour, it can be in there for longer. If you then use it direct from the fridge, you can literally roll it out like pastry mm -hmm. and you can roll it really thin, play with it, shape it, roll it up, do what you like, and it will still come back. Yeah. And your holiday was the same for me. It's, it is like Play-Doh and handling something different. And when you go from a standard sourdough dough, that is impossible. So I tried years ago, I tried shaping mm. some, I tried braiding some sourdough. So I got my master recipe. I hadn't kind of figured out the putting it in the fridge thing to firm it up yet. So I've chopped it into three and I'm trying to braid it. And as I'm doing it, it's stretching and yeah. stretching. It's getting longer and longer <laughs> and it's coming off the table and I'm ending up with these great long pieces of dough that I'm then having to wrap around it, pretend it's part <laughs> of the pattern. <laughs> so using this, you know, your halidol or the enriched dough is just a, a pleasure to work so with. So I have made a version, a sourdough version, which is actually very, very similar in ingredients. Um, so quantities as well that my usual one. It's, you know, if you like it, it's great. If you add, so I made it for your Christmas party. Yeah. But I just added some za'atar into it. Lovely. And then it's not a problem because you don't have that issue of the sweetness and the sourness yeah. that, that, you know, is fighting together. So. so, but then for me, see, I like that because <clears throat> I don't like really sweet. Yeah. So actually for it's me, the sourdough element takes yeah, it down a bit. It does. To a certain extent. But that's the whole thing about challah. It's kind of about having something special for you know, the Friday night, uh, Saturday, which is a Sabbath. So lots of people, for instance, if you don't have a lot of money, make sure that on, you know, Friday night or Saturday, they have meat in the house, right. which they might not eat the rest of the week. This is one of those things where you just like, it's an enriched dough, it's a special dough. It's not just water, flour and salt. It's something special for a special day. So you want to taste all the stuff that's in it. Okay. But I have also seen you add inclusions. You often do add some bits into I, I do. I've got one friend who loves his uh, uh, sun-dried tomato, jalapeno and, and chilies in it. Wow. Um, which uh, I personally wouldn't eat, <laughs> but he loves it. 
Customer is always right. Yes, definitely. So I don't mind whatever I put in it. It's fine. Okay. And on Jewish New Year, I'd add some raisins to it. Again, for sweet New Year. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things. So lots of people just use sugar. Um, on on the Jewish New Year, you would add honey instead of sugar. Okay. Um, and I just do honey all year round because I just love the flavour. So really, it, I mean, it's quite a flexible dough then. Yeah. Really. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're listening to the Food Bod Pod with Matthew's Cotswold flour. Churchill is an extra strong, high-protein bread flour and is finely milled from a blend of hard wheat sourced between the village of Churchill and Blenheim Palace in the English Cotswold countryside. It's the strong white bread flour that both Elaine and I use for sourdough and that Anne uses for her challah dough. We're back with the dough, so tell us what you've done with it now. So I portioned it up uh, yes. before, left it for 15 minutes, yes. and then uh, started rolling it out in braids. Now, so when you when you portion it up, sorry, when you portion yep. it up, you split it into as uh, many pieces weights. as you want. Okay. So like generally, my dough with 500 gram flour yeah. makes about 860 gram of dough. Right. If I do a four braided challah it would be about 215 gram per strand. Okay. So I portion it up in 215. And that needs to be quite precise. Uh, well, if you want to have an even, kind of an even challah, yeah, definitely. Right. okay. Um, now, then you portion it up, you make a little ball, yeah. and you leave it to rest for 15 minutes, right. so that the, the dough it relaxes, and then you roll it up as a strand. Now, some people take a rolling pin, start rolling it out and then make it as a strand. I just, we're gonna do it on, on the small ones, so you'll see. Right. I just take it and as you can see, it's not very even. But once you start braiding, it's fine. So you take the ball and you're rolling it on the surface so yep. that you're rolling it out into a strand. Yeah. And you want the strands to be pretty much similar length. Yeah, similar length. That's that's the most important thing. So if thing. there's a little bit of a bump in it, it's fine, it's fine. because that's going to come out yes. as you braid it. Exactly. Okay, so what's the next step with So this? the next step is... Can I just ask, is there yep. a traditional number of strands for um, different kinds of khala? So yes and no. Some people will use six uh -huh. um, because eventually it, there's kind of this tradition that you want to have 12 bumps right. for the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. But lots of people just use four. Actually, most of the people just use three. We're going to do some three when we're going to play around a bit and be creative. Um, and I'll show you how. So, so Anne has got now the four strands yep. are all laid out so they're all in line together. So they're parallel. They're about the same size as you can see. And, and you've got the ends all I'll, at the same level. And I'll stick the end together. So she started at one end by sticking the end together. Please remember that you'll be able to see this on our YouTube channel. Yep. So we've got the four strands all together just pinched at the top. Yep. Okay. So the two outer ones. The two outer ones cross right over. across the top. Okay. Yeah. Then the one that's fully at the top. The one that's most at the top. Yeah, goes into the middle. Okay, into the middle of the two that you had left. Yeah. Yeah. And then the one from, so that's not all over, crosses, replaces it. Okay. Okay. And then this one is now at the top, right, from yes. those two. So that goes in the middle. Okay, you're really going to have to watch this on the video. And this now 
needs to replace it. Okay. So every okay. time you move one across, you need to replace yep. it from the other side. Exactly. And that's like a crisscross thing. Okay. And you can do the same with six, with eight, with any, um, with any. I mean, you see people number. doing these things with like huge numbers of strands, yes. and it looks just amazing. And it's it's exactly the same. So. So you're always kind of filling the space. You're always filling the space. Yep. How old were you when you learned to do this? Um, two years ago. Oh, really? That recent? Yeah. Oh, okay. I only used to do three before. And then obviously, and at the end, you just pinch it together. So once you finish, you just pinch it and together I'll and tuck, over, tuck the tuck ends under in, a bit? And then I like to squish it. And squeeze bit, it in a bit. So that it gets a nice shape. And, and what now happens with that? So that you put on your baking tray. Okay, so we've got lined baking trays yep. here. And then you just cover it. I cover it with a towel. Some okay. people do um, cling film. And then you leave it, depending on your house temperature, for between 45 minutes, um, sometimes up to an hour and a half in the winter. Okay. An hour, I would say. So on the table behind us, some sun is shining through. Is it worth putting it there or is that too hot? That's too hot, probably. Then you might okay. only need half an hour. So if we're going to put it to the side of me then, yeah. so that it's out of the sunshine and we'll let it prove again, but, will, will yeah. that double? It will double, yeah, most probably. And is that the point at which you know to bake or is there something that you look for? I look for time and temperature. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, you'll see it puff up. Um, you could do the poke test. Yeah. Again, it's not massively accurate like, you know, with sourdough yeah. as well. Um, it gives you an idea. Okay. Um, people who use cling film, it will prove much faster okay. uh, and it will be a little bit sticky maybe. Yeah. I like the towel, so it's a bit drier it when it, it drives a little bit, okay. um, but that's how I like to do it. Right, yeah. so we'll cover that one over and put that one to the side. Yeah. Next one we're going to do a little roll that is also using some seeds. Okay. So the way, as I said, some people take the rolling pin, rolling it out. I just flatten it out. So you've got a little ball Pinch of dough, yep. you're flattening it out and then you're rolling and it over itself. Roll it over itself. And, and then, then you're using just... both hands to roll it outwards yep. to turn it into a strand. There you go. Okay. Oh, I've got to do one now. Yeah, yeah, you do. Okay. <laughs> so we've got the little ball, flattening it in the middle, folding it over onto yep. itself and just rolling out. Yes. So using both hands to roll it out yep. so it comes into a nice strand. Mm -hmm. Have I got it a similar kind of length? Yeah, it will. This it dough knows. is so nice to work with because it is exactly. so different. It's it this is. not on your hands, it's not on well, anything. Well, there's a bit, so obviously there's oil in the in the dough and there was oil in the bowl as well when it was rising the, bowl. the first time. Okay, yeah. Lots of people you'll see when you, if you watch some videos, they sprinkle a bit of flour. I never found any reason to do that. Actually, okay. when I did the sourdough challah, I needed a little bit of flour, but really like minimal. Okay. Now we're going to make it really nice and we're going to add some seeds. Okay. So the way I do it, um, you could put that in water, but then it gets very messy. So, so Anne's got a small bowl of water yeah. and we've got some black sesame seeds already on a large flat plate. Yeah, so I just wet it a bit. So you're massaging some water into the dough yeah. with your fingers. And then, and then you're going to place the dough on the seeds. On the seeds. Now, when I used to uh, put the whole dough in water, 
the strand in water and then seeds, you've got a very messy kitchen. Yeah, I can imagine. So, not a good thing to do. So, we're going to the... That's one strand. Okay, and you don't necessarily store the strands, do you? Because you can have it different... You can do anything. Or you could put different seeds on each you strand, do, so they're different colours. Exactly, that's the whole thing about playing around with seeds, with, um, you know, or you could colour the, the dough even with beetroot or with turmeric, okay. with matcha. You could do lots of different things. So we've got the strands of dough, you put water on your fingers, yep. on your fingertips, you've massaged it into the strand and then rolled the strand through the seeds. There you go. So we've got two that have got the seeds on and, two and we've without. got two without. Yep. Okay. So what we're going to do with these so now? So now we're going to do a little roll and to make it nice, and by the way, you can do exactly the same technique um, as a, a big challah. Okay, okay, so we're using a small bit of dough here yep. to show. So what Anna's doing, we're taking the two plain strands uh, in line with each other, so they're parallel. The two seeded strands are across the top, so we've made like a hashtag sign. Yes, and yeah? now we're going to do a proper hashtag where one is over and one is under. So we've got a, a nice little dough hashtag here. Yes. Right, so this is the starting point, and what happens next? So now you're going to see that certain bits are under the other one. Yeah. And certain are over. Yes. So you, we're going to go clockwise. Yeah. Where under, the, the one strand that's under, that's under goes over. Goes over. Yeah. The one that's under goes, goes over. over. The one that's under goes, goes over. over. The one that's under go over. Now this, this is the method that I actually wrote yes. out in words in my book. Yes. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it has worked. People have made it. It does, it does work. Okay. And now we're going back the other way. clockwise. And the goes over, and it goes under over, goes over. And it goes over. And under goes over. And then you pinch the edges together. Any of the edges that are sticking out, yeah. you pinch together and it and creates you a nice bring round. Them Tuck under, them under. Tuck them under. And, and we have a nice go. little... Look at that. Look at this little roll. So we have a nice okay. little roll of dough. Look at that. And again, if you play with different colours of seeds, etc., you really got a nice little roll. Yeah, because um, you maximise yeah, the, the shape colour, of it. The shape, the colour, etc. Please do watch this. And again, it will depending make life on easier. how you place the strands with the doughs, you got different patterns as well. Yeah. So find the one you like and just keep keep at it. So this is going to go on a baking tray and another yep. baking tray. Yeah. That we'll cover again. Yeah. And now we're going to be creative. And we all know this is Elaine, right? And we're going to do a little E. We're going to do an E. Okay. We're going to do an E. So I took some dough yep. and I divided it in um, thinking of, you know, one bigger piece of challah yes. for the edge of yes. the E, and then two a bit longer and one a bit smaller. So can I do so, any of this? Yes, so we're going to braid with three. So we've because, got the three strands all parallel yeah. and counter in front of you. Yes, now when you do that and you start at the, at the top, yeah. you've got a bigger part and a smaller part yeah. by the end. No. Okay. So, you start in the middle. So you start in the middle, basically doing a standard braid like yep. you would on your standard hair. standard braid like you would do on your hair. And then you just flip it round. 
Right, so you've started in the middle, done it down to what the bottom, yep. then you've turned it round and you're doing and the, you other the other end. end. There we go. Right to the middle. And we got the So we've got one on long braided piece. One UVE, yep. So, and, and you're going to do the same with the small bits? Yep. Okay, so if I've got three little pieces in front of me and I've put them yep. parallel to each other, I'm mm -hmm. going to start. It's a long time since I had any hair to... <laughs> I'm going to try braid. on mine first. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh -huh. Oh, God, this is very So pleasant. I start always from here in the middle. That's it. Okay. So and it's then, one over the middle and then over the yeah. middle and then over the middle. Yeah. I had a little mental block now there. Try not to pull it. Sorry. Okay. Because then you're going to have this long thing yes. that you say. So if you don't pull it, it's great. Also, if you pull it and you do it too tight, it uh, opens up in the oven. Right, so you you want to actually be quite loose with it yep. then. Right, okay. Yep. So quite loose and don't pull the dough. That's right. And then bring it into your little braid. Yeah. Yeah, like that. And now, perfect. And so that's, that's forming be the middle part of my E. Of your e. And how are you going to get that onto a board? Oh, it's very easy. Oh, so you're going to take it apart so basically. Take it apart. Okay. And then place the pieces. Place the pieces. And then cover it again. And then again, this would take about. 40 minutes for second rise. Pinch it over at the top and we got a lovely E. Look at now that. Now again, you could play around with seeds, you can play around with lots Ooh. of... Oh. <laughs> Don't drop Turn it. Turn the other way around so people can see actually yeah. their proper E. Look at that. And so you could do, you know, numbers for birthdays, you could do letters. You could... My E. And again, when we, we, at the end after, you generally we're going to show you as well are we going to egg wash we're going to add some seeds and again if you want to play with the strands already seeded like we did the roll yeah. you can do whatever you want it's really user friendly yeah, it is yeah yes and as we are in my kitchen at home there's the door and a courier excuse me <laughs> So all of the doughs then, we now have them covered in tea towels. They're going to prove again and then there'll be an egg wash and we'll bake. Yeah, so you can as well with the egg wash afterwards, you can add some seeds on top. Yeah. Um, I generally do on a normal challah, put some sesame seeds or poppy seeds. Yeah. And that's kind of the two classical ones. But any seeds go. There's no right or wrong when it comes to whatever you want. Or some Brilliant. people just like it plain. So what we did before was we cut the strands in half, didn't we? We did, yes. And put some um, pistachio cream in it. We did. Or a pistachio kind of nut butter. We did. So that you, when we braided it, you could see that coming through. Mm -hmm. That was nice, wasn't that it? That was very nice. That My nieces good. loved it as well. And actually, I do still have the videos and pictures of that, so I think we'll Ooh. share them as well. The flavour and the smell you get from baking challah is one of those things that is just amazing. What temperature would you bake them at? I do 175 fan for 30 minutes. 175 fan yeah. assisted, so maybe about 195 if it was non-fan. If I just do rolls, I might do 27 minutes. Okay. Um, but even if I do a quarter of a regular challah, I might do a half an hour. Okay, right. So we're going to leave them for now and um, we will come back. Let's take a pause from Anne for a moment and meet some of my food bodders. These were all guests at an event that I had Christmas 2022. It was a special Christmas event to bring lots of bakers together. Um, 
and is actually where we announced our new podcast. We did. We we, we launched it to the world. We did. Um, so this was at Farm Ed, which is a fabulous location in the Cotswolds, just up the road from the Matthews Flour Mill. What we did was move around the room and ask anybody if they would like to share their tips with us. Hello, uh, my name's Jackie, Jackie Bardell. When you're making macaroons or meringues, if you can get egg whites that are a little bit older and room temperature, your meringues will be a lot better. My name's Fiona and my tip would be for cooking, talk to me when, um, way back in school days, before dishwashers, have a bowl of washing up water on the go all the time, wash up and clear up as you go along. A tidy kitchen, tidy mind. Hello, I'm Sarah. My top tip is to make sure that you have your timer set on your oven when you put your bread in. My name Jackie Singh and uh, my mum was the perfect mum when it came to food because although she was highly educated, she stayed at home and cooked us three fresh meals a day and that's where I my love for food uh, started and uh, she believed in whole foods. That's many decades ago and I think we've gone full circle and come back to Whole Foods so as far as my cooking goes I like to see the whole form of the food and then build it up layer by layer and it can be a complex process it can be an easy process but that's for me is a very big thing in today's day and age with nutrition and all those things that one hears about. My name is Damien Pinnell my top tip is if you make yoghurt and you strain it, use the whey when you're making your bread rather than water. It adds a certain flavour to the bread, but I think probably adds quite a bit of protein to your loaf overall. Hi, my name's Penny and my top tip when making sponges is to ensure your butter's at room temperature. My name's Emma. I think some of my top tips, particularly when baking cakes, I think um, a lot of people follow whatever's in the recipe in terms of baking temperatures, but actually baking for a little bit longer at a lower temperature means you don't get quite as much doming in your cake. And it's because the, the bit that's in contact with the tin cooks first and sort of like solidifies like the crust on bread. And then there's only one direction for everything to go in and it rises. So if you want flatter cake layers, baking at a slightly lower temperature and then connected to that when you're wanting to stack a cake, I quite like to freeze my layers before I assemble and not only does it help give you a slightly more stable structure for like assembling a, a layer cake but also when it comes to crumb coating that cake you don't have quite so many crumbs going into your buttercream it all kind of locks it all in so you need a thinner crumb coat before you then add your final layer of buttercream on so in terms of cakes particularly sort of celebration cakes I think those are my top tips for getting flat layers and then also for sturdy straight assembly. <laughs> Thank you to everybody for those top tips. And now to introduce you to someone else, a member, a long-time member of my group is a gentleman called Phil Russell, who's a very keen sourdough baker. And he and David had a great chat about Phil's sourdough journey. So um, we decided it was uh, time to retire or semi-retire. But we didn't want to just retire and do nothing. We wanted something to do. And obviously, myself and my wife have both got a real interest in baking. So we decided we were going to move to Spain. And we thought, well, why not 
open a bakery. So um, we're building a micro bakery in Spain. We're going to be doing breads mainly that are very different to the bread you get in Spain. There's a lot of bakeries in the town we've moved to, a lot of Spanish bakeries, but they they all do the same bread basically. So we're bringing something different, sort of British style sourdough, British style bread. Um, so far proven very popular and we haven't even really started yet. And you also attended um, quite a, a, a long intense um, bakery course recently. Yes we did. Um, we, uh, we needed, in order to um, get a permit to actually operate as bakers in Spain, we needed to actually prove that we had some um, qualifications, um, preferably Spanish qualifications, which we actually didn't have. So we found a um, diploma course, a month-long diploma course in Barcelona, um, which was primarily patisserie, uh, fine patisserie, but um, also bake, bread baking as well. Uh, we did that um, pretty intensive, six days a week, um, 7.30 in the morning till six o'clock in the evening, um, only Sundays off, but learnt a lot. I uh, didn't learn so much about bread baking because it's something that I've been doing for a very long time. But as far as uh, patisserie and cake um, making was concerned, really learnt a lot, it was a great course. If you're baking a different kind of bread, more sourdough and kind of bread that, um, that your Spanish customers aren't used to, where are you getting the flour from? Okay, so that's really interesting because um, in the UK I, I primarily used to use um, Matthews Cotswold flour. Um, I tried all the flours in the supermarkets in Spain because I, I, I wasn't aware that actually, until I found that I wasn't satisfied with supermarket flour, have started looking for artisan mills in Spain. It turns out there are literally hundreds of them. Unfortunately, they don't all sell direct in small quantities. They're mostly selling in large quantities to commercial bakeries. But I found you know, a handful that would. And I found a mill in Malaga that I particularly like their flour. And that's what I'm using now. So they only sell it in 25 kilo sacks. So unfortunately, I don't have the opportunity to actually try too many of them. But I've picked one or two that I thought they look right and, and luckily they've turned out to be really good so that's where I'm getting my flour from now from an artisan mill in Malaga. Well good luck with the, uh, the baking enterprise in, in, in Spain Phil and um, when can the, uh, your Spanish customers expect to be able to buy your bread? Um, we're just waiting to complete, we've actually built the bakery but it's not, um, not kitted out fully yet. We're just waiting to get the license from our local town hall to actually operate it as the premises as a bakery and then it's all systems go. The Food Bod Pod with Matthews Cotswold Flour, bringing you Britain's largest speciality flour range. Well, we wish Phil and his wife lots and lots of luck with their bakery venture in Spain. And now I'll take you back to my kitchen and we're back with Anne and Corinne. Also with us today, we have Corinne Vignel. Corinne is also one of my sourdough bakers and very, very good friends with Anne. So we're all here together today because we are talking about food. Um, and I wanted to also ask you for some of your tips. So if you can let people know, where are you from? Yes, yeah, so I'm French originally. I've been here 20 odd years, so probably feel about half English by now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the transition has occurred. Yes, okay. yes. A long, long time ago. <laughs> and your husband? My husband is Algerian. Okay. So together we speak French. 
We have a son who kind of refuses to speak French to us, he speaks English to us, but he does understand French. <laughs> so there must be some great food influences in yes. your kitchen. So there's a, there's a bit of a mix and match. Uh, there's a different time of the year where we do more French, more Algerian, or we just go completely out and do completely different things. As we are recording at the moment, we are getting towards the end of Ramadan. So we've just had the whole Ramadan feast kind of thing in terms of food. So we would have things like shorba, which is a very typical North African soup that my husband and my son have been breaking the fast with. Right. And then we have different things and salads and something light but nourishing so that they can last the whole day the next day basically um, after they have their breakfast in the morning I, I at four o'clock in the morning. Oh, <laughs> I must admit I do have very fond memories of um, iftar meals and going to restaurants during Ramadan yes. when I lived in the Middle East. Yes. And uh, oh, it, I mean, it's, it's my most favourite food anyway. We so. normally have different food throughout the month of Ramadan so that we adapt, so that my husband and my son, who are both fasting, can enjoy their, their fast. You are a cook, you enjoy cooking? Yeah, love okay. cooking. And your husband too? Yes, so yes. This we can are be both something. really good cooks, so we take turns in the kitchen depending on who wants to do what. And, and, and if you're both in the kitchen at the same time, does that work? Oh, we, we, <laughs> we can sometimes do it. Um, I'm normally the cleaner after my husband's been in the kitchen, but don't go and tell him that, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I asked you to have a think then about what would your three top tips be in the kitchen? Yes, yeah, so just a bit like Anne said earlier, be adventurous and, and try new recipes, new ingredients. Again, coming with different background, being French, having an Algerian husband, living in England, we, we you know, we, we mix different flavours and yeah. spices and ingredients and, you know. You but you guys it. live in North London as well. We and live in North London. And there's a lot of influence, a lot of different food. Uh, yeah, there. which we love. I mean, in our street alone, we probably have about four or five different ethnic shops which we love because Wonderful. we have everything we need from there yeah. it's like being back home especially for my husband it's like being back home in Algeria and just going to the grocery shop or you know the spice shop or the butchers or whatever and whatever we want we have when he wants specific Algerian stuff he then goes to Finsbury Park where he can find an Algerian butcher who will cut his meat the way he wants it or you know he's a little bit fussy he likes his food but he likes his food a, a, a specific way and that's what makes him happy oh yeah absolutely and so. I'm with that but don't you find I mean I know when I've talked about this before I know that you know for me when I was um, first getting into cooking, to try and find the ingredients I wanted, yes. Middle Eastern ingredients I wanted, yeah. I, I had to keep going into London. Yes, um, true. And specific parts of London. Yeah. Whereas now, it's so on when, my doorstep. Exactly. When we uh, first got together, there was hardly any halal uh, butchers around in North London anyway. So we used to travel on the tube down to Edgware Road at the time. I mean, I'm going back 20 odd years go and get our meat on a Saturday, put it in the freezer so that we've got the meat for a, yeah. a week or a couple of weeks, depending on what, the, what we got. 
because we just didn't have halal meat around us. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we walk out of our street and again, we've got three, four different butchers. When we travel where there's no halal butchers, we go fish or we go vegetarian. Yeah, so it's all you can... Yeah, we adapt, yeah. we adapt, you know. So, I've jumped on it, sorry, what's your next tip? So, my next tip would be use the oven wisely. So, yeah. uh, you know, plan on what you're going to be baking and if the oven is on then take advantage of it and yeah. and and uh, cook or bake or whatever whatever you need totally to, yeah. to do so sometime if i've got a, a sourdough loaf to bake in the morning i might already be roasting uh, vegetables or something like that uh, in preparation for dinner although i'm not going to go back to it until later in the evening but at least i've started on my yeah. my veg or whatever it is yeah. my third tip would be don't, don't waste and uh, like Easter time or Christmas time, I like to buy a whole salmon uh, in the supermarket. They're usually mm -hmm. on offer at the time um, for, for the holidays. And then I get it all uh, portioned out and I freeze it. And I also ask them to, I don't like the head. I don't like to look at the head or the <laughs> tail. But I do ask them to give me the middle bone, the, the main bone, yeah. which I then freeze. I cut in half because otherwise it takes a lot of space in the freezer. And I then freeze it and then I make a quiche out of it or something like that. So I cook it and then you'd be surprised how much salmon meat there is on the bone, left so on the, the bone. The, main, the middle bone that they've the cut bone. out when yes. they filleted it, yes. what you're doing is taking all the extra meat that's, that's on right. it. So instead Most of, people would throw it away. Yeah, but you've paid for that if you've paid exactly. for a whole salmon. Because they weigh your salmon before they cut it and yes. then they ask you, you know, what do you want to do with the head or the tail and the bone? So head, tail can go but I keep the bone. And, and then, there's a lot of meat still There's a lot of meat off. and then I just okay. boil it with onion, carrots, herbs, whatever. If you buy a cauliflower, yes. you pay for the weight with the leaves and the stalks yes. and everything. And people cut them up, cut, the, cut it off and chuck it. Yes. But actually, if you roast yes. the cauliflower leaves, they're lovely, they become yes. quite crunchy. The stalks, I always find, especially like with broccoli as well, there's more flavour in the stalks. I cut the stalk in very small pieces. And, and I, roast it. I, yeah, or, or I steam it together with the rest. Yeah, absolutely, I and do. And especially like if you make um, a bake or something like that, or cauliflower cheese or something. Think about the fact that you've paid for that whole thing, so why would you cut that off and throw it away? Yeah, it's yeah. the same with like carrot tops and stuff like That's that. That's right. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, I'm standing No, no, some, some people make <laughs> pesto out of carrot, you know, the leaves and things like that, you know. You just have to be clever. But for me, and I said this when we recorded our first episode, I was talking about my top tips, and something that I do with a lot of stuff is just chuck it in a blender. Yes. yes. If you, you know, when you've got leftovers or you've got things like the carrot tops and things like that, chuck it in a blender, make a pesto. Chuck it in a blender, add some tahini and lemon juice and make yes. a dip. Yeah. Add some yogurt. There's so many things that you can create and you could create a whole new world of something. That's right. So it's like your amalgamation of your different food yes. interests in your home, the different food influences I bring to my home. Yes. You know, and what do you create? You this you know, there is no name for That's the right. cuisines we create. Absolutely. But this is why you are why we are talking to home cooks. Yes. And also, as you go along, I mean, when I first arrived in this country and I was brought up as a, you know, in France, however, I wasn't used to having the spices and the herbs and things like that, that we have now at home 
um, through my husband, yeah. you know, and having learned from him and having experienced with him what North African food or Middle Eastern food is, yeah. uh, because I was never brought up on that before. So. But, and this would be the same for my husband, and he yeah. would now love nothing. I mean, if you took him to an iftar meal, he would love it. Absolutely. Because yeah. these are the foods that yeah. I've introduced him to. Yeah. yeah. You brought with you today a lovely soup. Yes. And which is well, got, I'm hoping you will like it. Oh, I'm sure that we will. <laughs> and you and it's uh, red lentil. It's red lentil and carrot uh, okay. soup. Maybe that answers the question then. So if I came to your house, what would you feed me? Uh, yeah, well, a, a, a lovely um, <laughs> lentil soup if you really like it. Um, I'm hoping you like eggs as well. Yes. Yes, so I could make a lovely tachuca for you. Ooh. Um, that is always a winner with vegetarians. Yeah, I mean, I do like a tachuca. I, have yes. to say, I don't say it as well as you. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, that idea of yes. the, the tomato sauce, the eggs baking in it, yeah. I think you've just got to get the eggs just right so They're there's a right. nice they runny have to yolk. Be, oh. That's it. They have to be slightly runny but not too runny. Don't worry. I, I think I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> and if, you know, you and Anne live near each other, aren't you? So I'm, I'm just going to go between the two houses, I think. We need to Some challah, a bit of challah and a bit of... <laughs> but isn't that wonderful this you know the different influences that you both bring you know that collection yes. but it's not just the food it's, it's everything the cultures, else. It's, it's everything it's else. everything that brings together and as long as we are respectful of one another then we can live together so we're back with the dough it's been sitting under the tea towels is it now at a point where you want to start baking it is yes okay so, so. let's have a look Oh, we have nice puffy challah. Yes. So what are you going to do first? I'm going to egg wash it. Okay, so, so with this egg wash, you've got an entire egg. Entire egg. Okay. Uh, as and I so said, just some people up. just use uh, egg yolk. Some people just egg white. Some people use just something else. There's no right or wrong. I use a full egg and I just brush as much as I can everywhere. Okay. And this is going to give it a nice golden colour. Nice golden yeah. colour, definitely. So remember, there's sugar in there as well. So sugar from, in? From in, the, in the dough, from the, from the honey. And um, that's going to help it brown, as will the milk. That's going to help it brown as well. There's no milk. Oh, there's no milk. Sorry, no, my bad. No, no milk and meat mix. So. Is that because the hala is eaten with meat? Yes. Is that, that, that's the yeah. issue. It's not a yeah. case of... Uh, you could put uh, oh, you could milk put anything in it, in as it. long as you don't eat it with yes, meat. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, generally on the Sabbath, you would have a big meal, like yes. a celebratory yes. meal, which, in, like in many cultures, would include meat. Yes. So that's why there's no milk yeah. or yeah. butter in. So we've now had this beautifully brushed all over. You could put any seeds on it if you wanted to. If you to. want to do which we'll now stick to the egg. We're just going to stick to the egg. I, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like it as it is. Okay. I know you like chicken seeds on it. I, I like it seeds. as it is. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, we have preheated the oven. Yeah, I want to show you as well the little roll that we made because okay. um, oh. when we egg wash the little roll, yeah, we're how are you only, gonna egg wash we're it with only seeds going on? to egg wash the non-seeded uh, bits. Okay, so okay. we've got now in front of us the pan with the little ball of dough which had got some strands that have got seeds on and some haven't. So you are going to put egg wash, but you're just going to put it on Gently the on bare the dough. Bare dough. And there we go. So we've got the egg wash just on the, the bare bits of yep. dough so that you're not sticking to the seeds, basically. Exactly. 
And now it's going to go in the oven at for half an hour because we're going to use the same oven for everything. I mean, you might want to remove the rolls. Um, you know, 25 minutes in should be ready, but if you leave it half an hour, nothing's going to happen to it. So it's just going to be. Look at the E, nice big puppy E. That's huge. Especially for you. And maybe that's a really nice thing to do when you have a, you know, special event, a birthday. And I just love it because it's just bread art. You could do anything. So in January, we have a holiday which is called Tubishvat, which is the holiday of the trees. So you can shape a tree. Um, you can play with color and have some flowers in the tree. You can have some green stuff for, you know, the, the leaves and stuff. I've seen you as well make a menorah. Uh, yes, at Hanukkah you make a menorah and you can play around with different types of braiding. On Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, we have a round challah because it's the, you know, the end of the year going into the start of the year. So it's kind of a round. You don't have okay. a braided challah. You're still braided, but you braid it in, in a circle. Um, for the circle of life, the, the new year, uh, going from the old to the new. And then the Shabbat after Passover, you do a challah in a shape of a key, which is a tradition to, uh, you know, for good omen, for prosperity, for uh, success, for good health and good stuff to come. Oh, so, lovely. you know, there's a few traditional things, but at the same time, you could do lots of other stuff. So for birthdays, you could do this, you could do ages, yeah. you could do, you know... Because it's I, so malleable, it's so easy yes, to shape and handle. It is. So it's I've great. now brushed that with egg wash. Have I done well enough, you teacher? You did really well. Yeah, so well this done. can now go into yes. the oven. So I use the rest of talking about leftovers. Yeah. I take the egg, put it in a, in a little jar. And then uh, I generally have an omelette at some point. Um, Where you've collected leftover yeah, from the egg. Exactly. Okay. And let's bake. And smell. Yes. We now have the challah out of the oven. Kitchen smells amazing. I've probably oh, yeah. got slightly pink cheeks. <laughs> Everything looks fabulous. It's a lovely golden brown. So we're going to hold these up. So if you're watching the video, you can see there's my E, my challah E. There's the original first braid. And our little loaf, our little twist, it just, everything looks amazing. This is the colour we want. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it all depends. If you put some, you know, lighter seats on it, it will look a bit lighter. Yeah. Uh, depending on your egg as well, the quality of your egg, it might look a bit uh, paler or not. I think you've got good eggs. Oh, good. Yeah. So um, that's why it's a little bit darker. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's no right or wrong. If it's too dark for you, and it's not baked yet, just put some foil over it in the oven and bake it till the end. So you protect this surface. Yep. With sourdough, one of the difficult things is, as we know, leaving it to cool to eat it at its best. Is that the same with this bread? You don't have to. So um, you can break into it you sooner? You can break to it definitely sooner. Um, okay. It's nice to have warm bread like yep. everyone wants to. This is not one that will shrink or anything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the uh, the, the crumb will be a little bit different, but um, it's nice. So does that... this, this is this is bread that's eaten with a meal yes. as opposed to well, on its own. So we first have a, a small piece beforehand before. Okay. So while we do the blessing on the bread, right. uh, we'll have a little bit of the bread with some salt on it. Okay. Um, just to, to remember 
that uh, you know the good things always come with a little bit of you know the stuff that we had through right. life etc yeah. so the hard things that we need to remember now in the Jewish New Year actually we have it instead of salt we have it with honey so it's it's almost like a sweetbread then it is a little bit I, I don't think it's sweet but we'll see what you okay. think you know? so can I break a bit off yeah go for it yeah I, I... Can I just break a bit off? I should yeah, have a knife, yeah. probably. So I'm just going to break a piece. So now, interestingly enough, on Friday night, some families cut it, some others break it, depending on what tradition you have in your family. Here we um, go. Here we go. Taste time. Mmm. Is it sweet? Not really. There is obviously, you know, in there's ten percent of the flour is uh, my recipe as well. Is honey. The fact that Elaine isn't speaking and is eating suggests to me she quite likes it. I think she's Or were you about to heaven. celebrate the fact that I'm being quiet right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to break a piece off. Let's pass over to David. Mmm. It's got a nice crust. Yeah. A nice... You can tell from the texture that it's enriched dough. Mm. You yeah. do. You it looks see. absolutely lovely. You can see the layers. It really does. Yeah. And it is bread that basically... Is screaming out to put something on it. Yes, 100%. I mean, you know, anything from butter, cheese, meat, whatever you want, really. This really is delicious, and Absolutely mm. fabulous. There you go. Now, one thing I say, because obviously we didn't mix the dough together, make sure it is up to the point where it doesn't stick and it's super pliable. I gave my recipe to my mum. And she made it and she said, yeah, it was all right. And then I made it at her house and she said, oh, my dough doesn't look like that when I uh, finish uh, kneading it. I say, keep kneading. And do you knead by hand or do you use I, a machine? Because I do quantities, I do machines. When I used to do, well, I didn't have a mixer. Mm -hmm. um, I used to do it by hand and I would knead for at least 15 to 20 minutes. So how long in, in the stand mixer would you give this to be properly kneaded? Seven or eight minutes on speed two or something? So if you have a KitchenAid or something, it probably will be seven, eight, up to ten. I have an Ankarsum and I actually leave it five minutes mixing and then two cycles of 12 minutes, okay. so 24 minutes. Wow. Uh, which, again, that mixer emulates what you do by hand, so it makes the sense. An the Ankarsum is a... Slightly different process, yes, isn't it? Totally it's, got, it's not just got a dough hook, it's no. also got a little pan. I don't use the uh, dough hook, oh, right, I just okay. use the uh, roller. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, the, what we've got in front of us is also some more balls of dough because David and Corinne are going to have a go with shaping these. Yes. Um, just so that you can get the feeling of the dough. And we're not going to record that, are we? Uh, Definitely not. <laughs> but I'm going I'm to say a big thank you before uh, time disappears. Because um, this has been brilliant. It's not just to play with your dough, to be able to practice braiding, to show people braiding, but to hear about the traditions um, and the, the links between the bread and the different celebrations and festivals. You know, we've learned an awful lot today. Absolutely. Yeah. We've eaten a lot today, <laughs> which has been fabulous. And thank you for coming up here to my kitchen again and joining me. Uh, we've absolutely loved it. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have. And thank you to everybody that's been a part of it. 
And a huge thank you to Anne for <laughs> all the dough that she brought with her and giving us the opportunity to have a go. It was such fun, wasn't it? It well, was really I, good. I do have the videos of you dancing around the kitchen, David. <laughs> yes, I'm going to pay you not to publish those. <laughs> I think it, because the dough feels so different, if you tried to do that with sourdough, it would just be, it would get so stretchy. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can do it with sourdough, but it needs to be an enriched dough. It needs to be so firm. Um, but it's great to play with that hello and have a go and listen to Anne talking to, you know, what she makes and, and the choices they have with their meals. I, I think it's all fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and the thing that really strikes me about the way she made hala is that she uses Churchill flour, yeah. Matthew's Churchill flour, which is my staple strong white bread flour. It's the one I and use. Me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and yet, uh, doing it that way with with yeast, of course, mm. it's a completely different feel. To yeah, the, the, you know, the dough is completely different. So it's a real education. Oh, definitely. I think when you're so used to handling dough, you know, it it's it's like recently when I attempted very poorly to have a go at um, uh, on a wheel with clay and trying to form a piece of clay. If anyone's seen the video, I made a very big mess. And, <laughs> but I couldn't get my head around how different it felt to dough. Yeah. And I kept calling it dough because that's what I'm used to handling. Yes, yes. So when you have that feel in your hands that uh, for sourdough and then you come to such a different dough, yeah, yeah I thought it was great. Yeah. It's really good to play with. And Corrine's soup was super as well. Super, oh, super. Both super of them, soup. yes. Thank you to both of them for coming all this way and being a part of it. And I'm so glad we could feature them in the podcast. Anyway, that's it for this edition. I'm David Treadway. And I'm Elaine Boddy. And this has been the Food Blog Pod with Matthew's Cotswold Flowers.